Have you ever heard someone speak and you wondered where he or she was from? I suspect everybody has had this experience where you hear someone and they don't quite talk like you talk, like you're used to hearing people talk, and you wonder, where are they from? We've had our moments in the Hitchcock family as a, uh, a boy from New Jersey, New Jersey, married a, uh, a Georgia peach 19 years ago, and as North and South collided, we've had our share of moments concerning speech and language. I think I may have told you this story before. But I know some of you haven't heard it because some of you are new. But when uh, it was either Ellie or Drew, when our oldest were young, and uh, Anna's mother, who is uh, from the South and uh, lives in Augusta, Georgia, and will be here next month, uh, she uh, would come and visit the kids and visit us. And she would read uh, one of our favorite children's books to the kids, uh, the book, Are You My Mother?, and I don't know if you remember that, that story, but it's about a little bird that hatches in a nest and his mother's gone when he comes out of the egg and, and he doesn't know who his mother is. And so he keeps wandering around and he's asking all sorts of animals, are you my mother? And he's asking all sorts of things he comes across in the world. Are you my mother? And at the end of every page... It says, after he asks, you know, the, uh, the duck, are you my mother? And the duck says no. And, and, uh, and then at the end of each page, it says, and the bird flew on. And I remember reading this one time to Ellie or Drew after their grandma had been here for a while and reading that story with them. And, I, and the bird went on. And after I said it a couple times, uh, they stopped me and they said, no, 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 daddy, you're not saying it right. It's not, and I'm like, you can't read. I know what this says. And they said, no, it's the bird went on. And I realized that uh, what they were hearing was grandma from the south saying, and the bird went on as she turned each page. It was a great accent. It was a great moment uh, thinking about Anna's mom and our kids. Well, this morning... I want to acknowledge, I want to confess that, that I want an accent. I want an accent of sorts, I suppose. I suspect I have an accent. Uh, they say Americans have accents to other parts of the world. But I not want, want to sound a certain way. I want to say certain things. And I want you to have the same accent as well. No offense to those of you who are German. Uh, I have German blood. I don't want a German accent. I don't even want a British or an Australian accent. A Scottish accent would be very cool, being a Presbyterian, because it would add so much weight to my words if I talked in a Scottish accent. But I don't want an accent based upon geography. I want, and I want you to have an accent based upon destiny. You see, I've termed this sermon, I've titled this sermon, An Accent of Grace. And it really goes beyond an accent of grace. I mean, the illustration breaks down because an accent is just the way we say things. And I don't want us to just think about the way we say things, but I want, to think us, I want us to think about what it is we say. 
So it's not just an accent of grace, it's a vocabulary of grace. Today in God's Word, we are going to be challenged about how we talk. Could there be a more practical subject for us to be challenged about than the way that we talk? There are more than 90 proverbs that have to do with our speech. In fact, our words and the way we talked are talked about in the book of Proverbs more than any other subject. So it's fitting that we start here with our words. Next week, we are, Lord willing, going to go into some specific Areas of our speech that I want us to be challenged in, both positively and both negatively. But this morning, I want us to give, I want to give you four uh, more general principles from these verses that I just read and from other proverbs that I'm going to uh, read to you this morning. It's really one principle and four lessons is kind of how I want you to view it. So four points, kids. One lesson or excuse me, one principle, and four, or excuse me, three lessons. I'm getting myself all tied up here. Four points. And the first one is this. We need to learn how to talk. We need to learn, or we might say, we need to relearn how to talk. Maybe we need a little rehab on our speech. A little talking 101, speech and communication And the reason for this begins by pointing out the simple fact, a simple fact that we so easily forget, that our words matter. Our words matter. One study concluded that the average person speaks about 700 times a day. That's an average daily output of about 15,000 words per day. Granted, many of those words are small. Many of those conversations are seemingly, at least from our perspective, inconsequential. But that's just it. They're not. You've heard me quote this phrase before from uh, Paul Tripp, an author who has written a lot of great books, one on words, in fact, that I recommend to you. But he talks about, and I've encouraged you at the fact that It is for those 10,000 mundane moments and words that we live. It is in that arena that we exist. We don't live in the grandiose. We don't live in the earth-shattering. Our speech is not in some profound presidential speech. No, it's in the everyday, daily grind. And our words, in those 10,000 mundane moments of our lives, it's those words that matter. And to see this, and to, and to undergird us in this, and to really build a foundation for this, I want us to think, a moment about where, think for a moment about where our words came from. Three verses into this book, into this revelation of who God is and what He requires of His people, we hear these words, God spoke. The very first words of communication, the very first words in time and space came from God. He spoke the world into being. He spoke man into existence. His voice was the first voice that man and woman heard. 
And then God did something incredible. He gave that gift of words. He gave that gift of speech. He gave that gift of communication to you and to me, to the creatures that were made in his image. And and the, the impact of that is that our words, our speech, they make us human. Our words set us apart from all the rest of creation. Words define who we are. And our Creator's words about who we are define who we are. You see, our words matter. Communication matters because God has made them matter. Because God has given them worth. But of course, we who know and love the Lord Jesus this morning know that that there's a problem Because our words are not used as God intended them to be used. Sin has warped our words. And our words are suddenly inward rather than outward. And we'll talk about that. Words that were meant to bring about life so easily bring about death. And that's the first Proverbs we looked at or we read. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so the first basic point I want us to acknowledge this morning and think about is that we need to learn how to talk. This is an area that we all need to think about. We all need to examine our hearts. And it begins by acknowledging that things are not well with our speech. Things are not well with our words. But it's not even just that our speech is broken, but it's that we wield these words that are weapons of mass destruction. Not just that our speech is broken, but whether we acknowledge it or not, our words have power. Worldly wisdom flaunts sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And that's a lie. Words hurt because God has made words powerful. And many of you sit here this morning and you are casualties of words that were spoken to you long ago. And the words still remain. And even for those of you who don't sit here as victims, as casualties of words wrongly spoken, you are offenders of words wrongly spoken. I mean, how many of us would be comfortable with a replay of all the words that we spoke this past week, this past month? Let's just play it. Let's all just sit here and listen to it. Now, talk is not cheap. And the Proverbs and God's Word reminds us of that. Words are expensive and we pay when we misuse them. Our words are not neutral. They either build up or they tear down. Proverbs 11.9 With the mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, that righteous are delivered. You know, James, the book of James speaks about the power of the tongue. Many of you are familiar with those vivid pictures that James gives us. A rudder of a ship. 
a bit in the mouth of a horse, a spark that ignites a forest fire, all communicate that our words and our tongues have power. And so we ask the question, okay, we know the seriousness of our words, we know the importance, we know they're broken, we know we're messed up. What do we do? How do we learn to talk? How do we acknowledge and make changes to our speech? Well, I think it begins, and this is why I'm spending so much time um, on this this morning. It begins with Proverbs 4.23. It begins by looking at the source of our brokenness. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. See, the Scriptures teach that our words are just fruit. They're fruit that come from a tree. And if the fruit is rotten, it's not that the fruit is lame, it's that there's a problem with the tree that produced that fruit. And Jesus, our Savior, He said the same thing in Luke chapter 6.43, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. The good person out of its good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. This is so important. Because what it means is that learning to speak well, even from the book of Proverbs is not ultimately a matter of technique. It's not ultimately a matter of principles. It's an issue of the heart. And if you're like me, when you come to that point, you say, "Uh uh-oh. Because you can no more change your spiritual heart than you can change your physical heart and keep your physical heart beating. And I, for one, know that there's some rotten stuff in my heart. Because that black tar bubbles up every once in a while and comes spewing out of my mouth. But brothers and sisters, we gather this morning because there's hope for our words. This sermon is not a dead-end sermon. No, there's hope for our words because Jesus has come. And hope for our words is found in the Word made flesh. It's found in Jesus. And it's His presence. We might say all that we talked about last week, being in the presence of God, in the fear of the Lord, being controlled and captured by who He is. We need His presence. We need to live in His fear. We need His power, and He gives it to us, the Holy Spirit, and we need His promises. And we have this promise from 2 Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us all that we need for life and godliness. And so if we're going to learn how to talk, we have got to begin with the one who never, never uttered a careless word. And the reason he never did was because his heart was absolutely pure. And it's Jesus that is the hope for our change. It's Jesus' strength 
that keeps us moving forward. We've got to get this before we move on to lessons one, two, and three. But once we have this firm footing, acknowledging that the source is our hearts, but there's hope for our hearts. Let me give three principles, three lessons briefly that these verses and other verses in Proverbs give us about the way we talk. About talking in the fear of the Lord. Talking in the context of the Gospel and what Jesus has done for you and me. And the first lesson is this. Lesson number one, don't talk. Lesson number one, don't talk. And you're thinking, great, that's a great lesson for a sermon on speech. Don't talk. You see, our prideful, selfish hearts, they lead us to believe and act as if we always need to be heard. I mean, haven't you felt that? No, 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 you don't understand. You need to hear me out. And so often in those circumstances, in those instances, we either fear man or we desperately want his or her approval rather than fearing God and resting in the fact that we are a son, we are a daughter of the Most High, and it doesn't matter what they think. But as a result of our sin, we talk, and we talk, and we talk. And and there's a simple law of probability, of statistics that we're dealing here with here. The more you talk the more you're going to have to recover what you say. And and why is this true? It's true because of your heart condition. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And, And so the first line of defense is just don't talk so much. Don't say so many words. Listen, Proverbs 10.19, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17.27, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. Proverbs 18.13, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is to his folly and shame. Proverbs 29.11 A fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. See, like we read in the book of Ecclesiastes several weeks ago, there is a time for everything. And brothers and sisters, the first thing you need to think about as you learn to speak is that there's a season to talk and there's a season to bite your tongue and to not say anything. This is harder for some than it is for others. I'll acknowledge that fact, and I'm sure you feel that fact. But it's wise living. And you can do it. You can do it because Jesus did it before you. And Jesus did it for you. 
I couldn't help but think of Isaiah chapter 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You can do it because you don't need to be heard all the time. You don't need to be justified before the eyes of men and women. Because you're justified before your Creator. The one who you fear. That's the first lesson for us this morning. Lesson number two. When you do talk, choose your words carefully. When you do talk, choose your words slowly and carefully. Like many of you, almost all of my blunders with my speech are in the context of those who I love and those who know me the most. My family. My wife and kids. And there's uh, I've run into some problems with my speech recently, particularly with my kids. Because I haven't followed through, apparently, on things that I said I was going to do. And so my actions prompt my kids more than once a week, maybe more than once a day, to say, but you said, but you said, Dad. And so the joke now is that on everything I answer, every answer I say, which is probably not a good model because I should let my yes be yes and my no be no, every answer I give is maybe. We're going to do that maybe. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, it's a funny example, but the fact of the matter is when I think about my speech, I speak, we speak, too quickly. We speak too quickly. And God's wisdom in the book of Proverbs remind us that we simply need to slow down. And in the context of my kids, it's not devastating when I say something, yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah, we're going to do that. It's not devastating the consequences when we don't do that, when I do speak too quickly. But there are some instances when speaking quickly is devastating. And you all have experienced there's no rewind for our words. There's no way to take them back. And there's really no excuse for getting caught up in the moment. Because if you said it, it was already there. Proverbs 13.3 Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 12.18 There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15.28 The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Proverbs 21.23 Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 29.20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. 
Worldly wisdom says, just say what's on your mind. But brothers and sisters, that's not always wise. That's not always godly. There are times when the wise thing to say is nothing at all. Or to carefully slow down and choose your words. That's lesson number two. And then finally, for this morning, one more lesson from the book of Proverbs. Lesson number three. Choose your words for others. Choose your words for others. See, to people who have been loved with an extravagant grace, to people who have been bought with a price and therefore are seeking to live in the fear of the Lord, we have to ask our question, we have to ask ourselves this question Who are our words for? Are they ultimately for us? Are they ultimately for others? The Lord gives us speech. He gives us communication because it's an opportunity. It's a privilege to wield something with such power. Something that has incredible, redemptive purpose. And so when I say choose your words for others... Let me just give you three categories under this lesson of what your words can do. First of all, your words feed and they bring joy. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous feed many. Proverbs 10.25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And then two great pictures that Solomon, whoever wrote these Proverbs, gives us. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are like honeycomb. And Proverbs 25.11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. Our words feed one another. Our words have the power to bring each other joy. And that's why we looked earlier in the service at Ephesians chapter 4 about that passage about building up with our words. Words are not neutral. They either tear down or they build up. Choose your words wisely and choose your words for others. And that's the second thing. They not only feed and bring joy, but as they do, they build up. We've already talked about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, that great admonition, that great gospel call. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor, once said, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's Word to him. And this last sentence is great. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the Word of his brother. And this just has to do with community. This just has to do with why we need one another. And we're going to jump on this a bit next week, and we're going to talk about what it means to affirm one another and to encourage one another. Because we need to do it more. As we choose words based on others or words for others, 
They feed and bring joy. They build up. And then the last thing under this last lesson is they bring life. Our words bring life. The scriptures give direction to our words. Not just a list of occasions. Things that we shouldn't say. Or occasions when we shouldn't talk. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I would say that Ephesians 4 is more in the context of us as a body as we build one another up as the body of Christ. We choose our words carefully in this context, but there's also a outward, a very outward focus concerning our words. God makes His appeal through us. Our words are not given for merely ourselves. You speak for another, and the power of God and the power of the Gospel flows through us as we speak to others. So what an opportunity we have to bring joy, to build up, and to bring about the power that brings resurrection and brings new life. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot more that we could talk about in regards to our words, but this morning, I want you to leave this place looking differently, thinking differently about the words that you speak. Maybe just thinking about the words that you speak. And if you're acknowledging and, and, and pinpointing and seeking forgiveness for those words that have been spoken in error, those words that have been spoken in haste. And, for, and, and, and then striving and praying that you might aim well. That you might slow down. That you might be intentional with placing your words. And you can't do this on your own. All, all these principles, you need to know the context that they fit. And the book of Proverbs doesn't do that for us. The book of Proverbs doesn't give us every context when you should not speak. But it tells us you need to have that in your mind. Because there are contexts that you will come across when your mouth ought to stay shut. And so we need wisdom. We need forgiveness. We need intentionality. And we need wisdom. And if we do those things, then indeed, we're going to be one of those people that has an accent. That when you talk, people are going to wonder, where are they from? Where is that person from? See, as I think about these principles, as I think about wanting an accent, I want an accent, and I want an accent like my mother-in-law. And not in the way she draws her O's, but in the way she speaks after years and years of walking in the fear of God. 
Because you know what? She doesn't always speak. And when she does, she speaks carefully and slowly. And then her words are always focused on others. That's what we want. For our good and for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of words, the gift of speech. And Father, we pray that we would go from this place with a renewed conviction of its power and its purpose. That we would cry out, that your Spirit would show us those those words that were misspoken. That forgiveness might be ours. And that in seeing our sin, we might live in the new life that is ours in the Word, the final Word. The Word made flesh for us, the person of Jesus. So make us like our Savior, who never spoke a harsh word, who spoke for the good of others. Lord, that even our speech, that even our accents of grace might be used by You for the building of Your church, for the building of Your kingdom. Oh, Father, give us grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.